Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Okay, stand with me, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. I do want to share a word with you today as we brought hope to South Africa this whole season. I just felt led of the Lord to talk about hope. And Brother Kavar kicked it off last week with talking about the power of hope. How many enjoyed that message last week? Amen. Amen. We got to watch from uh, South Africa. The Wi-Fi wasn't the best. So they have this thing over there that's called... um, shedding, load shedding. So the power goes out every couple of hours because there's not enough uh, power to supply the whole region. So your power goes out at 2 a.m. Uh, it just happens to go there. No, no, no air conditioner, no nothing. Then a few times in the afternoon. So it, it was going out during church. So didn't get to watch all of it, but uh, did went back and watch. It was a great message, brother. Thank you for preaching that sermon. But I just felt like bringing hope in this kind of season Uh, And today I want to talk about the anchor of hope with you for just a few minutes. Um, It's very important that we understand this. In Hebrews chapter 6, the writer tells us, Thus God determining to show, verse 17, more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. You need to underline that in your Bible. It is impossible for God to lie. What he said he's going to do, he's going to do. It's impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation or comfort who have fled uh, our, for refuge to lay hold of the hope. You need to underline that. you got to lay hold of the hope set before us. And here's the scripture. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of your presence here today, that you would be with us for the remaining time. God, you would just encourage people through me today, I pray, to grab a hold of the hope that you have given us and to not cut our anchors and to not let go of our hope in a season uh, that we're living in right now. Let us see the power of the hope that you've given us in this anchor of hope, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. The anchor of hope. So hope, you've heard of this scripture, Hebrews 11. It's like the theme of, uh, of the Protestant church and the movement uh, here is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I want you to know that this scripture shows us something about hope. You see, hope is there before faith is. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. We already have hope. Hope arrives before faith does. That's why the enemy fights so hard to attack our hope. Because he tries to abort the faith of many believers coming to a living hope of Jesus Christ by not giving you any hope, by taking away the hope. That's why atheism is is so deadly. Atheism doesn't remove the pain, it just removes the hope. Let me say that again. Atheism doesn't remove the pain, it just takes away our hope. Not believing in God and not believing that things are going to get better. Not believing that God is a God of a healer. He is a God of a provider. Not having that kind of hope just leaves you and I in a stagnant 
sewage of unbelief and darkness. And the enemy knows that. That's why he tries to snuff out hope. The moment you start believing things are going to get better, God is going to turn this around. This is my season. God is opening up doors. And the enemy comes immediately and tries to still blow out the flame of hope before you start believing it and acting on it. And that is faith. Hope looks to the promises. Faith looks to the promiser. But you have to have hope. Hope is powerful. The evil dictator from the Hunger Games, President Snow, he presents a question to the game maker and says, as he tries to keep all of the districts in fear, he says to them, we must keep them in fear because there is only one thing that is stronger than fear. Do you know what it is? And he didn't know. He said, it's hope. He did not know that, President Snow, but he was actually prophesying the Bible because the Bible says that hope can overcome fear. It says that hope can overcome anxiety. Fear, hope can overcome depression. Hope can overcome any darkness that you have. When hope it begins to flame, be like a flame in darkness, then look out the enemy because great things are getting ready to happen. All he needs is a flicker of hope. That's what this season of Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus coming in to a dark time, a dark world. As Pastor Steve said, 400 years of silence. And God breaks the silence with the flicker of hope, saying that now the time has come. We naturally do not have hope. Hope is not in our DNA. You don't have it. You've got to get hope from an outside source. You've got to get hope from somewhere. Uh, King David wrote in Psalm 62, my soul waits patiently for God, for my hope comes from God. That's where our hope comes from. Where does your hope come from today? That's why the, the enemy fights so hard against churches, because we have the message of hope. We have the message that things can change. When you get hit with a diagnosis, when you get hit with a tragedy, when you get hit with something unexpectedly, Here's where God comes into the picture and says, listen, I'm in control. I can make a way when there is no way. For know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans of hope to give you a hope in the future. Then what happens? All of a sudden you begin to believe it. All of a sudden things begin to stir. I've been in hospital rooms myself with so scary diagnosis with people and they're in bed and the doctors walk into the room and I see hope coming alive in people's eyes, hoping for some good news. And I've watched that the news was not very good. But what I love about being a man of God, if I can just not brag on me, but brag on God, I've also seen God use me to come to the other side of the bed and say, I know the doctor has given you his news, but let me tell you about about Jehovah Rafi that can heal your body. Let me tell you about the healing power of Almighty God. And I've watched God raise people up from their deathbed because of the, and watch hope come alive in their eyes. One of the most devastating ones, I remember being in the hospital, I went and prayed for this woman and she, I had to wear a suit to go into the room to visit her because of the immune system. She was so weak, she was on her deathbed. Right here on Telegraph in Taylor, I went in and prayed for her. I prayed up in the spirit because honestly, I was overwhelmed to walk into a room like that 
And here's what I'm talking about today. It's hard to hold on to that anchor of hope, but I held on to it and I went in and I began to pray. And as I began to pray, the Holy Spirit began to give me that faith and I watched hope come alive through that mask and through that, that lens. I began to see hope open her eyes and fill her eyes with hope and fill that room. She walked out of the hospital the next day. Why? Because we have a living hope. It starts with hope. If I could just light, God wants to light and relight in some of your lives that flame of hope today. If you're in a hopeless situation, don't be afraid. You're in a perfect environment for that flame to shine even brighter. So let's talk about the anchor of hope. What is an anchor? He calls it an anchor. He says this hope we have is an anchor. I was going to bring an anchor, but I didn't have more time. I would have added it to my life preserver. I don't know if God's telling me to get a boat or what. I don't know. What's... So, but an anchor, I worked at the marina for several years in my teenage life and young adult life. I love working in the marina. I know all about anchors and anchors, of course, you know, that hold you in place. And this is the first thing that does. Number one, anchors keep us from drifting. If you're writing notes, you want to write these down today. Anchors keep us from drifting. That's the whole purpose of them. And if he said that we're going to need an anchor of hope, then that means it's possible for you and I to drift away from this hope that we have. And I don't want you to drift from that hope. And it's easy to start drifting when you start looking and seeing what's happening here today or in our day that we live in. You can drift. And when you start drifting, you drift into all kinds of things. You drift into doubt. In Africa, at this church, what was so amazing is the, the name of the church was Emmanuel. And we sung about Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And the name of the church is Emmanuel, International Assembly of God. And uh, when we built the, the tabernacle, we sat underneath there and got into the shade. And I looked at Pastor Victor, and he's one of the leaders there. Awesome, mighty man of God. Taught me the handshake and everything. Me and Rob's trying to get it down. But uh, just, a, just, 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 just oozes the presence and, and the goodness of God. I said, brother, we did it. He just lifted his hands to the Lord and just began to praise God and worship God. He said, we've been here for 30 years in this little building. He said, people in this community said, this is never going to happen. He said, pastors even came and said, brother, that thing's never going to get built. He said, that's who it was. Cause when that fit, when that frame went up, we looked out and there were people coming from the community. They was just standing at the gate and a couple of them was well-dressed. He said, that was the pastors that said this day would never happen, but we serve a God that is amazing. That he said, I've lived to see the glory of God. Where's my whistle? Come on, somebody. I'm going to blow that whistle today. And they, they have church. Forget the tambourines. They had one tambourine. They had a whistle. Pen. Don't want to bring a whistle next week, okay? We're just kidding. In Honduras, it's the shofars. South Africa, it's the whistles and the pillows. I love when you experience worshiping our same God in another culture. That alone is powerful. That he said, I've lived to see the day. Tears down his eyes telling me that this has happened. What, what, what is that an example of? He's held on to the hope, the anchor of hope and not letting it go. If you go into the little building, you'll probably see, because we're going to all start posting about the church now, in this little brick building that's probably the size of our conference room. That's where they had church. And they have on the, on the wall their vision statement. It's like you walk down the hallway, you see our mission and our vision. He's got it written out, the pastor does, and their vision and their mission. 
What is that? Holding on to the anchor. You need to write some scriptures down. If God has given you a promise and maybe you forgot about it, you need to stir that back up. Write it down. Make it plain so that we can see and we can run. The Bible says you need to write it down, but I just bless my heart to see the scriptures there. So let me just give you a, a couple of um, warning signs of drifting. Just real quick, self-pity. This is how you know you're drifting uh, from the anchor of hope into hopelessness as you start having self-pity. All you ever talk about is the people that has hurt us. And you, all, all we talk about is the breakup or all we talk about is what our boss did to us. That's how you know that's a red flag. You're starting to drift. You're starting to drift from hopeless, from hope, from hopeless, from being hopeful to being hopeless is when you start seeing that self-pity. Anger is actually another one. Many don't know this, but anger is a sign of hopelessness. I'm not talking about losing your temper every now and then. I'm talking about being an angry person. People can become angry if they lose hope, watch this, that their marriage is ever going to change. That the situation just will not change. People will then become angry. I found it. I found that to be true. It's never going to change. And you end up becoming an angry person finding something critical about anything and everything. Somebody else is excited and you just can't stand it. That's a sign, people, that we're drifting from hope into hopelessness. That's what the enemy wants to get us over in there. Depression and despair. The police tell me that between Thanksgiving and Christmas is the highest rate of suicide. It's this time of year because people just fall into depression and then despair. That's why hope is so important to talk about this time of year. Because hope can come right into the darkest situation. It's not afraid of the dark. Jesus was never afraid of the dark. He was never afraid of any situation, even a man being dead for four days. Ooh, can I preach for a moment? They said Lazarus was dead for four days and Jesus took his time to get there. Why? Because he's not intimidated by how big the storm is in your life. He's not intimidated by how big the tragedy that you're facing. He's not intimidated of how dark the situation may be in your life. Let Jesus in and watch the light overcome the darkness every time. Every time. He told Mary and Martha, he said, take me to him. He said, oh, Lord, you don't understand. He's been dead for four days. Jesus said, don't you know who I am? She said, oh, I know he's going to rise again in the rapture, you know, in the second coming. And Jesus looked at her. And you need to hear these words. and said, Mary, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. It's, it's not a time clock. I am. When you get the person of me in your life, I can resurrect any situation. Shoo, are you hearing me today? That's the power of God. It's the power of hope. And if you are a believer, you have that power contained in you. You are carriers of hope. Medical science is even now recognizing that the power of hope has, has begun to be used in intervention to treating trauma, schizophrenia, and depression. Even our immune system is affected by our emotional health. That's why I love, notice it says in the Bible, this is an anchor for your soul. He didn't say body. He didn't say spirit. He said soul. Why is that important? Because our soul is where our emotions come from. 
So when you're hit with a situation, the first thing that happens is panic. You get all crazy. Emotionally, you're all over the place. And you're going to drift over here into the, oh my God, what are we going to do? Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh my God, God what are we going to do? What's happening? You're emo- you can't sleep. Anxiety, everything starts happening. That's why God said, I've got a solution for it. It's an anchor that'll hold you right in the middle of the most difficult storm. It'll hold you right in place because it goes behind the veil into the very holies of holies. Come on, somebody. These are signs that you're drifting, but it keeps you from drifting. No matter the situation, I want you to know that that anchor will hold. You hear me today? That anchor will hold. Number two, anchors can be trusted. That's why they put them on the boats. And this anchor, I love what it says in Hebrews. He says that this anchor we have that is both sure and secure. See, being unsure is where anxiety actually comes from. When you're not sure how to pay the bills, anxiety comes. When you're not sure how that first day of school is going to go, oh my gosh, it's a new class, it's a new school, anxiety. And it depends on the level of your uncertainties, dictates the level of your anxieties. I found that to be true. The more you're unsure of something, the more anxiety that is there. If I ever am going to get married, I'm unsure if I'm ever going to get married. I'm unsure if I can have children. That's where insecure, that's where, that's where anxiety comes from, is from the uncertainties that we have in our life whenever we're not sure. That's why the writer reminds you that you can trust this anchor. What's he saying? You can trust the promises of God. You can trust the promises of God. If you find it in the word of God, the Bible says in Galatians that the same promises given to Abraham, the same promises that are in this book given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your Bible says that it also is, a, is to you, that you also are heirs according to the promise. He says it right in here because of your faith in Jesus Christ. That means if Jesus said it, if God said it, that's for you. You can take it to the bank. I don't care what you're going through. It's an anchor that cannot be pulled up. It's going to happen. It's going to happen no matter how you may look, think it looks in your day and age. It's going to happen. It's our brother there at the church in South Africa. 30 years of waiting for God to bless them with a building. And now that place is used as a community center. That place is used. They already used it this past Wednesday. The sister in the children's department got up and she had, and they do the announcements at the end of service and make sure everybody's there. Amen. That's good. And uh, she's like, hey, when you bring your kids, they kicked it off this week by using that building, having a thing in Wednesday night. But she said, I'm asking, she asked for some money to help buy the, the gifts and the the things that they're going to do for the kids, the food for the kids. And I love what she said. She said, so you can't drop your kids off in the tabernacle because there's no walls. She says, you're going to drop them in ghosts. She said, we got to go in the building. And so when you walk in the building, I can see you. And then she pulls money out of her shirt. And she says, 50 rands. You got to drop off 50 rands. I told Lindsay and Felicia, you need to start doing that on River Kids on Sunday. But they're so excited to use that building to come for the glory of God. For 30 years they've waited. They've already got events. And I love what she stood up and said, by the the end of next year, they're going to close this building up and use it in classrooms and use it for the glory of God. That's vision. That is because they believe the word of God and they're seeing it being fulfilled. There's where faith comes in on your hope. When you start putting action with believing, 
When God said to Abram, he said, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham means father of many. When he told Abram that, that news that, that he had no children. So God said, I want to people to call you Abraham, father of many children, even while you have no children. Why? He said, because that's going to build your faith alone. Because you imagine Abram the next morning at the water cooler. How's it going, Abe? Don't call me Abe. Call me Abraham. And they're like, Abraham means many children. Last I checked, you have no children. He said, no, I want you to call me Abraham anyway. Because that day is going to come. What am I saying? He believed that this hope was more than just a fantasy. It was secure. If God said it, he was going to have it. That's how you got to be. That's how we got to be. That's how you got to be. If God said it, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to stand on it. God's word. Hopelessness is a dangerous thing. And it doesn't matter the situation, no matter what you've been told. It don't matter how you were raised. It don't matter your background. If God said it, he can do it for you. I was invited to go pray for this elderly woman a little while ago by a relative of mine and said, Eddie, this woman's in your area. Would you please go visit her? She's 98 years old. She's never been to church in her life. Our family just never went to church and she's on her deathbed and she seems really down. Hopeless was the word. I said, sure. It worked out. I was right there. I went and saw her. One of the sweetest ladies I ever met. And I walked in the room and I could see it on her face. She was very nice, very sweet, but she was so disturbed. And, and uh, she, she began to tell me her story. So she went on one date. She kissed her first guy, all on the same, it was the same guy, first date, first kiss, first guy, and she married him. I said, oh, she said, we were married for 68 years or something like that. I said, man, you guys must have loved each other. She said, no, we fought like cats and dogs every single day. I was like, oh. She said, yeah, but I did love him. I did love him. Then we began to talk. And I said, what has you so down? She said, the hospital offered to bring me a chaplain. And he just left last night. He came in. And I've never been to church, but they, you know, I'm getting ready to meet my maker. If there is a maker. And I just want to make sure I'm ready. If there is, I don't know what to do. And she started to cry. So what happened? She said, well, they, they told me since I wasn't baptized that uh, I'm doomed. There was no hope. I wanted to find that chaplain, by the way. I looked for him everywhere. I'm just going to lay my hands on him in Jesus' name. <laughs> Walked out of the room and said that you cannot go to heaven. I said, listen, I begin to sit down. I begin to preach the gospel to her. I begin to look into her, and I watch the darkness and the despair on her face begin to come to life. I begin to say that Jesus didn't come to baptize. And I went into the thief on the cross and I, I went through all of that. I begin to tell her he come to die on the cross for you. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ right here, right now in this room, you got a place as secure as mine in the presence of God. Your name is written in the book of life. And I just begin to preach and tears begin to come down her, her face. She leaned up and I led her into the sinner's prayer at 98 years old. I said, you got an anchor that will hold. She said, I haven't served God my life. I said, that's okay. The anchor still holds. You are still on your way to heaven. She met Jesus that next day. Anchors, this anchor cannot be pulled up. And if you know anything about anchors, which I, I do, and I know several of you have, there's times when you want to pull the anchor up, but you cannot. The only thing left to do is cut. And you can cut this anchor as well. You can cut the anchor of hope in your life. 
This is the assignment of the evil one. Do you hear me today? Moms, dads, grandparents, listen to me. The assignment of the evil one is to get you to cut your anchor. Because then you will drift into doubt, despair, criticism, anger, and fear. And he's got you. But he can't touch you as long as you're holding on to that anchor. He'll use anything and anyone he can to get you to cut that anchor. There are always things that will try to get us to cut the rope. He'll use storms. He'll use storms of life to come into our life to try to get us to cut. I'll never forget working on the marina. And part of our job was I worked for a marine emergency service. So whenever there was a boat, a vessel in distress, the Coast Guard would call, send, out, send out a call. We'd go and, and rescue. But I remember this call. It was in the middle of the night. Everything's always in the middle of the night. And it was a sailboat. It was called Amazing Grace. Is a believing brother too. He had he had uh, this, this preacher on his radio. When we when we all you can hear, he had no lights, no power, but you can hear this preaching uh, coming from his sailboat. He had uh, anyway. We pulled out and there it was, Amazing Grace. But he was in the middle. Uh, a storm was went by earlier that day. What he did is he cut his anchor, and so the hull of the boat the got onto a sandbar and he was stuck out in the Lake Erie. So we had, to, we had to get him off, and the harbor patrol got there, and we, he, was, he was all by himself. We was able to rescue him. I'll never forget what the, what the police told him, the harbor patrol. said, sir, you would have been just fine if you wouldn't have cut your anchor. He said, well, I got real afraid, and I thought the storm was going to take my boat and damage my boat, so I cut the anchor. And he said, no, if you would have just held on to that anchor, that anchor was built for storms. <laughs> Let me tell you something today, church. I don't care how big the storm is, man. I don't care how big it is. The storm you may be in right now. I got the good news to tell you. The anchor holds. That's what it was designed to do. That's what he was made to do. That's exactly why he came to planet Earth. That's why you're sitting in this church today to hear this preacher tell you that the anchor will hold. It is sure, no matter the size of the storm. Give him praise today if you believe that. I got to hurry in closing. Number one, what does that mean? I don't know. Nothing. Storms will cause you and I to cut the, cut them. And now listen, you may sway. There's a difference between swaying and drifting. A boat when it's anchored will sway. Oh yeah. You'll face the North and the current is strong enough. It'll sway you all the way around, but that anchor will hold. And some of you have gotten thoughts in your mind of cutting the anchor. Those are, you're swaying. That's what's happening. The enemy is causing that storm to just blow that wind, to just blow you out of where God has you. But I'm here to tell you today that you need to keep your eyes on that rope. You need to cut that. Some of you have got too much slack. Let me just be prophetic in this moment. It's saying to my know some of you have done let yourself drift a little bit here and a little bit further because I'm still tied. I'm still tied to the anchor, but you're allowing yourself to drift into some very dangerous waters. You're in a place of your life that God has never told you to be, and you're getting bombarded with the waves. You're getting bombarded by the enemy's thoughts coming into your mind. Why? What's going on, Pastor Ed? You got too much slack in your rope. It's time 
time to pull that thing closer. It's time to pull yourself closer to that anchor. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. You can pull yourself closer to it. You get those thoughts and you cast those thoughts down in the name of Jesus. I thought I was going to lose my mind when I first got saved. I was 25 years old, about to have a nervous breakdown. I come out of a life of, of addiction and craziness, and now I'm going to church and not using anything. And my body, man, if you ever come out of that kind of stuff, your body just goes nuts. I hated to be alone. I told my boss that he, he would send me on these routes. I didn't want to be by myself. I would, I would purposely take people to train them. I hated to be by myself, and I was a believer. I come across that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. See, the Lord will cause you, everything in this Bible is just theory to you until you got to use it. Sooner or later, church, you're going to have to know everything in this book. I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you. You're going to have to know this. And, and uh, the best way to know this book is to discover it for yourself when you're in a storm. I can give you scriptures until the cows come home. You can underline them and I've underlined them, but when you got to live them, when you got to live them, you shall die. You shall live and not die. Excuse me, wrong translation. You shall live and not die. That was the scripture my dad, God gave us when my dad had a massive heart attack and died at Wyandotte Hospital. Died, coded. Then the family next to us was just talking about taking care of mom because dad just died. And I'm sitting there listening to the scripture, trying to find a scripture. You know what scripture I opened first? <laughs> it's a true story. It says, my time of departure has now come. My life is being poured out as a drink offering. <laughs> find another scripture. Find another scripture quick. True story. And I come across Ezekiel and said, prophesy, man of God, stand up, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel was so full of doubt and he strayed so far, he answered the way many of us do and says, God, I don't know. I really don't know. I want to believe you, God, but I really don't know. Only you know. God came to him again and said, prophesy, young man. Can these bones live? And he kept saying it. And finally, Ezekiel said, those aren't your words. Those are now my words. Yes, these bones can live. He said, Ezekiel, stand on your feet, boy. Get up. He said, I'm in the valley and I see very dry bones and they're very dead for a very long time. Three varies you don't want to say. And God says, I need you to stand up because I don't care how dark and difficult the storm is. I am El Shaddai. I am the Almighty. Do you know who I am, boy? I don't care what the doctor said. I am Jehovah Nisi. I am Jehovah Rapha. I'm the God of your fathers. He stood up and he began to prophesy. And he began to say, dry bones, live. And the Bible says he began to hear a noise. Oh, I'm preaching to you today. You may not see nothing at first. You may not feel nothing at first. But if I can get you to open your ears of the Spirit today in this Christmas Hope Series, if I can get you to open your ears of the Spirit, of what the Lord is whispering to you, he's going to say that you're going to begin to hear what I've been telling you is going to happen. 
The Bible says he began to hear them bones rattle. He began to hear a bone over here rattle. He began to hear a bone over here rattle. And he said, they don't even make sense. There ain't no way for them to get together. And he said, Ezekiel, do you know who I am? Prophesy. Keep going. Keep holding that anchor of hope. Keep holding that anchor of hope, church, whoever you are. And Ezekiel began to keep holding. His hands began to get calloused. He began to look, and the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord began to lead him across and lead him across that valley. And as he began to sing, a, a prophesy, a leg bone got united to the knee bone. That's where that song come from, I believe. The knee bone got connected to the shin bone. I think that's where it come from. <laughs> At the end of that story, the Bible says that that dry valley of bones stood to their feet. They were shoulder to shoulder, muscle and sinews and everything came out of it. And they were an army. He didn't say a congregation. He said an army. Why? Because when you begin to be used of God, he's going to bring you into the military's arena. Whether you like it or not, you've been, you've been born to fight spiritual warfare. You've been born to fight. You are saved to fight, to rescue people. Hallelujah. We prayed that for my dad and God raised him up off his deathbed. Not before he went to heaven and saw Jesus. And Jesus told him this is the, and a lot of people get messages when they die and they see grandma somewhere over there cooking casserole. My dad went and heard a voice and said, go back and tell everyone there is a judgment after death. That's the message. My, my dad said, that's the kind of message I would get. We know it was of the Lord because on the way from Wyandotte to Oakwood, the doctor and two paramedics, I'm not planning to tell the story, Dad. We're coming up on your anniversary. Doctor and two paramedics got into the back of that ambulance and said, I heard you had an out-of-body experience. The doctor said, I want to ride with you. And my dad, with just a short, weak breath from having a massive heart attack and dying, gave the gospel message. That's what my dad does. And he said, in other words, to today, there's an anchor for your soul. <laughs> Even though I'm swaying in the back of this ambulance, I'm still tied to an anchor. My dad looked up and that doctor had a tear coming down his face. He took off his ball cap and he said, I don't know about these two, but I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. The other paramedics say, yes, in Jesus' name, yes. I mean, they pray. They bowed their heads going about 70 down Southfield Freeway. And Jesus came right into the back of that ambulance. She came into the family waiting room and she said, oh, where's the Markham family? Where's the Markham family? She had all of her suit on because it was a snowstorm. It was January. And we said, we're here. She said, oh, it was awesome. I gave my life to Jesus. Your dad is awesome. He told me about Jesus. Hallelujah. Closing number two. <laughs> Storms can get you to cut that rope, and some of you got your knife out. You don't want to cut that rope. You need to cut some of them other ropes, because if you're not anchored to Christ, you become anchored to something else. Some of you, all this preaching I preach, my, I'm jet lagged as can be. I don't, my body is so confused right now. Woke up at 3 a.m. ready to eat me a ribeye steak. Come on, somebody. They feed you in South Africa. We landed and they took us to a bride. 
So I text my police friend. He's, from, he's a South African guy. And I said, we went to a barbecue. He said, it's not a barbecue. It's a braai. Quit talking American. <laughs> so took us to a braai. Barbecue. Ladam. They had the ribs, brother. I'm telling you. Took us to a braai. We ate so good. It was so late. Our body was so confused. But God has got us through it. I don't know why I was telling you about food. <laughs> Storms that get you to cut your rope. And if you're not anchored to Jesus, you're going to become anchored to something else. Some of you have become anchored to anything, and I preach whatever messages you hear, you still seem to drift into hopelessness because you're anchored. You can become anchored to anger. You can become anchored to depression, where depression is now your identity. In fact, you even say, my name is Eddie, I'm depressed. I mean, it's almost like, it's a, and today, let me just say this, all culture celebrates anchors. In fact, if you don't have an issue, you're, you're the outward one. You're the outsider. That, that's the narrative that we are living in here in America. I grew up in a day, if you had an issue, you didn't tell nobody. It's just a different day. We celebrate and put them on Instagram. Hashtag, I've been, I've been traumatized. I've been this. I'm like, no, you wasn't traumatized. You lived in a perfect home your whole life. What are you talking about? But the enemy has caused you to drift from your hope. Come on, somebody needs to hear this today. Cause you to drift and you start letting some slack out. You start over here. Next thing you know, you're tied to this and this is now your identity. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You need to take that knife out and cut that anchor and come on over to hope. Come on over to hope. Come on over to who you really are. Your identity is in Christ. So if a storm can't get you to cut your rope, other people will get you to cut your rope. Other people will cause you to cut your rope. And I'm going to end it with this. They will. Job's wife, we heard about Job. You talk about getting attacked by a storm and someone that was anchored was Job. Job had the storms of life take everything he had. But the Bible says the one thing they didn't take was his anchor. See, the devil thought he took everything from Job, but he didn't realize his everything was God. I don't know if you caught that. Everybody else got jet lag? Are you with me? The enemy thought he took everything from Job. What he did not realize is Job's everything was God. <laughs> Sister Janice, God's with you through this storm, honey, what you're dealing with right now. And that's why she's able to be in church today. The enemy thought he took everything, and that's part of our problem. We're hooked to everything else but God. But when you become anchored to Jehovah God... You can go through anything. That's why David said, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I ain't going to fear no evil because I am anchored. I am anchored. Come on, somebody. Are you anchored today? I am anchored. I ain't drifting. I am anchored. I am anchored. Are you anchored this morning? Are you anchored in him? That's what I'm talking about here today. Job's wife came to him. His closest person can get you to cut your rope more than anybody. His wife said, Job, you've been holding on to this anchor and look what this God has done to you. He's taken our kids, our livestock, our livelihood, everything. And you still holding on to this anchor? She said, curse God and die. Do us both a favor. But look what he says. You got that scripture. Job looked at her and says, though he slay me. 
Some of you need to write that down. Though he slay me, though he kill me, though he slay me, woman, though he take, he's done taking it, though he slay me, yet will I hope. Come on, yet will I hope. Not think, but hope, but trust, but be tied to that anchor of hope. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Come on, let's stand to our feet today. Let's stand to our feet today. Let's stand to our feet today. Worship team, you can come. Somebody needs to be told, don't cut the rope. Tell the person next to you, don't cut the rope. I was going to go in to talk about Ruth. Join me next time. You need people in your life that'll help you hold on to the rope. That's Ruth and Naomi. Naomi lost it. The, the, the word hope is in the Bible 151 times. The earliest time is in the story of Ruth. And Naomi lost hope. She lost her husband and both her sons. And that's where hope comes for the first time. And she looked at Ruth and said, Ruth, you might as well go back to your other gods in Moab, in Moab because she said these words, my God has turned his fist against me. She went into her hometown and they celebrated Naomi. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for I am bitter. What happened? She drifted. She let that tragedy cut her anchor. But the centerpiece of the story of Ruth, those of you that love love novels in Hallmark right now, uh, my daughter loves Hallmark, Miranda. So Miranda loves Hallmark, Felicia loves Lifetime. That's my two daughters right there, okay. I was over the other day, yesterday, and I said, this is like the same movie, the same girl. Felicia said, Dad, they're all the same. Or someone said, they're all the same. But the Bible has got the best stories ever. The, boring, the Bible's not boring. You're boring, right, man? In the story of Ruth, she comes to Naomi, and I'm closing with this as she looks at her, and the other daughter-in-law, Orpah, left. But Ruth says these words, looks at Naomi and says, Naomi... Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you live, I'm going to live. I'm from Moab, but we're going to Bethlehem. I'm going to become a Bethlehemite. I'm, I'm going to live where you live. Uh, I'm gonna, your God will be my God. And when you die, I'm going to be there when you die. Listen, what was she doing? She says, you're tired. You can't hold that rope. Let me bring you back over to that rope that you introduced me to. I'm here today, tired, preaching to you, saying, come back to the rope. Don't let go, don't let go. Tie your hand around that rope. Storm, every storm has an expiration date. Storms don't last forever. Every storm comes to an end. Every storm comes to an end. By the end of the story, they're holding a baby boy. Ruth met a husband. That baby boy was a grandfather of King David. He's in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. And Naomi said, call me Naomi. Forget about that. That was a bad episode of my life. I'm back. Because I have a Ruthie in my life that helped me hold on to the rope. You need to get some people in your life that'll help you hold on to the rope. Jesus. Whew, 
Hallelujah, Lord. Let's just worship Him right now, Jesus. Jesus. Some people here today that you're not anchored to the rope. That is the hope of Christ, and you need to get your hands on that hope. I'm going to ask our altar team to come. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.